All right, everybody, welcome back to Double Shot, a sports podcast. On the mic, you got yours truly. I'm Hector. On, the, on mic two, we got John Paul. How's it going, JP? Uh, going pretty well. What's up with you? Uh, not much, not much. You know, just balling on fantasy football over here. I'm, I'm three and two. For those of you who remember, I said that I started off at 0 and two. I'm on a three game win streak. We got a lot to talk about today. We got a little bit of uh, football, football news. We're going to start off with the Cowboys and the Packers couple of uh, transactions going on, including including Jay Gruden finally losing his spot. We got an AFC South update to bring you guys up to what we talked about last week. Uh, a little bit of opinions on the NFC pack and a quick fantasy update, and then we highlight our game of the week. Um, then we're going to transition into a couple of NBA news. You know, we got the preseason starting up, so it's looking like it's going to be a good one, huh? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, just real quick, touching on basketball before we get into it. Uh, Spurs got their first game this past Saturday against the Magic. They're also playing today against the Heat, so I'm going to try to find a stream of that whenever we finish recording. Uh, talk a little bit about the new L.A. teams. Talk about um, how they revamped their teams over the summer. Um, who you got out in the East. And then um, some fantasy basketball updates, since now we are around that time where fantasy basketball is coming up and i actually had my draft this past sunday so we can talk a little bit more about that too sounds good sounds good well, let's get right into it so <clears throat> i think the first item that we got on the docket here of course is our beloved cowboys taking another big fat l this weekend um what, what did you feel about that did you i mean we kind of we weren't too confident we knew we thought it would be a little better of a game for us but I mean, we weren't too surprised, right? Or, or were you? I was surprised at how hopeless it felt. Because I can't. Because you can go one of either which way, where this is just a throwaway game, chalk it up to just having an off day, or the offense still coming together, defense is still coming together. But there wasn't really any, like, bright spots about this game. I mean, there was a point where, like, there was a point where they were down 24 to nothing. Which came after a first half where I, I I can't remember the last time if they've ever done this is on the first half on every drive they had in the first half they made it to the opposing side of the field but did not get any points out of it like that just sounds nuts to me especially for this offense that's supposed to be new and improved. Granted, Dak had an amazing um, yardage through the air, 463 career high, but also went with three interceptions. Amari Cooper. Also had a career high game in yardage, but had an interception. Ezekiel Elliott again a non-factor. Offensive line didn't really protect as well, and then on defense, it's just the same issues that we've talked about before. Yeah. Um. So, so Dak did have that career four hundred what sixty something. What you, did you say the total? Yeah, four sixty three. Four sixty three, three interceptions. The thing that I took away from that mostly is. And I don't. I didn't see every one of the picks, but the one that stood out to me was it is two, three weeks in a row now where he throws behind the receiver, and he threw it. Amari's coming on a slant route, and he he cuts across the middle, and Amari is great at running routes. That's why we got him. He's running full speed, and now he has to kind of pull back onto his shoulder and and make this catch. Now, you're a Pro Bowl wide receiver. We're paying you millions of dollars. You touch that ball, you should be able to catch it. But I understand the whole misdirection thing. It's it's a it's a problem. It's a glaring problem, I think, for Dak right now that he's got to fix. 
I still love him. I'm still riding with him. I still think that we can bounce back. We better bounce back this week. We've got the Jets, <laughs> so we better. But, um, um, yeah, you know, it did. It did for a lot of the time. It did seem like it was like we had no chance out there. And then the thing is that when we did, we then throw a pick in the red zone or right out, right in the in the end zone. You know, we, we just we had holding calls. We had fun, we had penalties bringing us back the whole time. Jason Garrett had that terrible costly penalty um, <laughs> to negate the amazing catch that uh, I, I believe it was Michael Gallup that made it. Um, and then to solidify what we've been saying this whole season is that Michael Gallup is the real deal. He made a huge difference out there. He he himself had a hundred and something yards receiving. Yeah, he um, was the only one without a flawless. Well, he was the only one with a flawless game. He had 113 yards and a touchdown coming off of his injury. Um, put up in fantasy terms, put up like 20, 20 to 24 points. Um, but um, as, I want to say one thing too about the Garrett thing. I feel like Garrett is kind of the guy to pick on whenever things go wrong for the Cowboys just because he's been a yes man as far as he's been there to Jerry Jones. But I kind of feel like he was shitty of the ref to 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 penalize him for a mistake that the ref made. Like, it was very clear. This should not have gone to a challenge. Like, it was very obviously, I, th- I think it was Cooper, actually. I think he was actually inbounds for that catch. And to be, and to be, and to you know to call that back was just ridiculous and i mean i guess garrett does have to keep it together because even though he won the challenge he negated the benefit of it because of the unsportsmanlike conduct the ref says that he said some things that you know were not appropriate i don't really think that's the case i think he's just embarrassed that he screwed up that call yeah but um and then to defend dak to um i mean the first interception that he had was, you know, the bumble that Cooper had. He just flung it up, and it was in the air for the picking. Second one was just all his fault. That was a terrible pass. And then the third one, I see um, a lot of conversation about how there there was a mispass interference call on Gallup. That, that oh, that's been. right. Yeah, that mm-hmm. the, he was the, the guy was all over him. That and I, and but the thing is that it's it, this is what where it sucks being a fan of the of the team because that was towards the end of the game. It was on a on a drive that we could have scored a touchdown, then come back, scored a field goal, potentially. We still would have had to get the the onside kick, but we would have had a fighting chance. So when you complain about something at the end of the like towards the end of the game like that, we want to gripe because it really did have an impact on us. But they didn't call it, so now everybody's gonna be like, "Oh my god, here comes the fans making excuses." <laughs> like you know, it sucks. But yeah, he was all over Gallup on that one. <clears throat> that was, I thought that was a a really ugly blown call. Um, the whole Garrett thing, though, I, I'm with you. I don't think it was that bad of a – I don't think it was that harsh what he said. Uh, and, and you're a grown-ass man on the football field. Like, I'm sure that ref has heard worse before. Um, it was just a, a quarrel, I guess, between them two, and he called them, and, and, and it sucks, you know. But so are you always on the player-slash-coach's side when it gets emotional like that, or – or um, or do you think that that there are sometimes or some examples when he could he should have shut up? You know, I understand that he was mad, but he ruined it. He kind of ruined it. He brought us back fifteen yards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that's I mean, that's just the reality of it. Like, even if you think you're right, 
I mean, the reason you think you're, you throw the challenge flag, flag because you think you're right. Like, you can just let that do the talking. He doesn't necessarily have to get into the ref's face about it either. But, I mean, just looking at it either, like, it didn't really seem like, I mean, I guess it just depends on what he actually said to the ref, but it didn't look like enough to call unsportsmanlike conduct. Like, coaches are always in ref's faces. Like, I doesn't, I just, I don't know. I just didn't see it. Maybe, I don't know, unless so, he fucking threatened the guy or something. But it's Jason Garrett. Look at him, man. What's he going to do? So do you think that there is any realm where it could be possible down the line to somehow make uh, referees pay for bad calls like that somehow? Like with the whole – you remember when Joey Crawford kicked Tim Duncan out for nothing, yeah. for absolutely yeah. nothing. Yeah. And, and I mean, that game, it wasn't an impact on the game. We were going to win that game anyways, right? But, yeah. But – um. But when it comes down to a game-deciding call, if you're ejecting somebody, I guess it wouldn't be in this case because no one actually left the game, but you're ejecting somebody, you're severely impacting the outcome of the game. I feel like the refs shouldn't be above punishment. And maybe not that same game, but, you know, like afterwards. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a thing that, you know, it can't it can't be left to ambiguity, you know. As long as the ref has some sort of argument, the league is always going to side with the ref. Like, it would take something like that, which you described, like the Crawford-Duncan situation, where he was literally not doing anything, not interacting with the ref at all, and he still threw him out. Like, it needs to be something to that level for the refs to get a punishment for, because I think after that game, Crawford was suspended for ejecting Duncan uh, oh, okay, game. perfect. Yeah, yeah. See, something yeah, like that. Yeah, but should it, be it would it would it would take something like that where it was like a blatant bad call where it was clearly like driven by emotion or like insecurity or something like that. But I mean, I guess I mean ultimately, I guess it's on Garrett because you know he just didn't have to act out the way that he did. But I still think that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But mo- I mean, moving forward this coming week, what I hope to see out of the Cowboys is. I hope to see a, a severe improvement on timing with your receivers hitting them in stride. I don't want to see any more of these behind passes. And I think it's time to just take the reins off and, and give Zeke the ball. I understand that he hasn't really been doing too much, but 12 carries? You extended him $90 million and you're going to give him the ball 12 times? Yeah, like, that's really give, give it weird. to him 20, 25, you know? Let him run. Yeah, these past couple games has been very uncharacteristic of what we were led to believe about this offense. Which, I mean, we're at the point now where we have to... Uh, I mean, granted, five games into the season, but the evidence that we have thus far is that the Cowboys can beat bad teams and they can't beat the good teams. Yeah, And, um, I mean, I... I don't think that's coincidence. I mean, I think this. I don't. I don't think this necessarily means that the Cowboys aren't good, but I think this shows that they are not at the top of the NFC. They're somewhere in the middle of the pack, um, you know, behind, um, you know, behind the Packers, Eagles, Seahawks. Maybe if you want to throw the 49ers in there, but yeah, um, I'm still on the fence about those phonies. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, clearly they have some things to work out among themselves before they're in the conversation with those teams. Um, I kind of... One thing, fill me in on this, because this is one thing that I have not done my research for, I'll just admit it. But tell me, what happened with the Dan Bailey situation? Because this guy, Brett Maher, this guy also sucks. He also... (laughs) 
So we no, we actually, as a fan base, and if anybody is is hearing this and knows more than me about this, but I think as a fan base, none of us really knew what the fuck happened with Dan Bailey. Like he was he, just gone one day. Yeah, he because he got hurt. He got hurt and he was out for a while, and it was the first time he really like had real missed time with the Cowboys. And uh, but I mean, in his tenure, he was the most accurate kicker in NFL history. And I think now the only one he still is up there. The only one above him now is Justin Tucker. But yeah, we just—I mean—he was a young, healthy guy, just coming off of his first real injury. And yeah, we let him go. I guess they just had tons of faith in Brett Maher, and and I don't know if it's paying off. Did you see this stuff about how the Saints? learned more about Kellen Moore's offense because it stems from his time at Boise State. Wow, no, I did not see that. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, Saints players were saying that they learned about their offense because it's very similar to the Boise State offense that was ran whenever um, Kellen Moore was the quarterback there. And if it's, <laughs> if it's as simple as that to figure out the Cowboys offense, then we're just fucked. Yeah, cat's <laughs> out of the fucking bag on that one, Kellen. <laughs> Damn, back to the drawing board. I know, seriously. It was like, I really hope he has some other signals or something to use because if it's as simple as that, then yeah, we're kind of in more trouble than we think here. Yeah, because we got Bill Belichick and the Patriots in a couple months, and I don't want to get mollywopped to those guys because they will do their research. Mm-hmm. And well, to his credit, to his credit, the offense was not n- nearly the bigger issue in this game. I mean, the defense just got throttled. Yeah, yes, they did. And uh, I mean, I just don't know. I don't know what to what to make of it. I mean, they they just uh, Packers ran up the ran up the board on them. They uh, let Aaron Jones run for four touchdowns. Um, what was it? And then the and then the linebackers. <sighs> Van Der Esch has been bad. He he just anytime he's caught in a one on one situation, the guy is able to get past him, and I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I hate it. I I almost half want to hear that he's been injured or like there's something that that we don't see or that we don't know because, yeah, I don't like to see somebody regress like that. Which is so weird because he's young and he had such a great year last year and now all of a sudden I really hope that it's just a string of off games because he's getting exposed week by week. Yeah, no, I've, I've I still got faith in him. Um, like I said, this week we got the Jets. Sam Darnold is coming back though, so hopefully he doesn't have a fucking homecoming party on our defense. But uh, but we should be able to stop them. We should be able to bounce back. Cam Fleming, I'm sorry, you're a professional football player, but you are not of the caliber that Tyron Smith is. I really, really hope that we get Tyron Smith back soon, because that's a big, big deficit that we're have to, having to face without him on the line. And then, um, and then Lyle Collins, too. He got hurt in this game, too. Yeah, well, Lyle Collins was – I know he was on the injury report leading up to the game, too, and he ended up, you know, still going. But, um, but yeah, we can't – those are two of our best guys. Like, we, we cannot go confidently into the rest of the season without those two guys back on the line. So, hopefully, hopefully we get them back soon. Yeah, and hopefully we're at least able to capitalize on this next game against the Jets because the week after that is Philly – and we really need to go into that game with a win. <laughs> yeah, the only thing going good for us right now is that Philly plays Minnesota this week, who is a super high-powered offense and a and a pretty mm-hmm. good group of of DBs. So, um, so uh, hopefully, I mean, if if we do lose, and I'm gonna be wearing purple and gold, hoping the Vikings beat the the Eagles. But it's definitely a must-win game for us this week. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, all right then. What do you want to move on to next? Or do you have any other last comments about this? No, no. Uh, just keep an eye out on Sunday. They the boys play at noon, I believe. It's a noon game mm-hmm. um, against the Jets, and uh, and yeah, you know, prayers to uh, Jay Gruden. <laughs> he got he got <laughs> he got called in at five a.m. so that they could fire God. him. That's that that's cold blooded shit, dude. <laughs> Okay, well to to defend Washington, I would if I'm gonna get fired, I would want it to be at a time where nobody else is around either. <laughs> so that, I'm that's, glad true, that that's true. He doesn't have to at least walk out to his players and to reporters and have to tell everybody, "Well, I'm I no longer work here." What? Well, send me a text, man. I don't want to have to get up. <laughs> I don't want to have to get up at four in the morning and get ready, go to the stadium by five, and then get fired. No, just text me, bro. Like. Come on, I've had worse breakups before. Let's do it. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it comes. It comes at the. It comes after they lost to the Patriots, um, which I mean, you can't blame them for that. But um, a, a one stat for him was that ever since he took forward, he took control in 2014. No coach has more losses than him. Wow. Which is bad. <laughs> that yeah. sucks. Yeah. Yeah, he has lost more than any coach since 2014. And I guess he should have seen it coming because he kind of sounded like he just didn't give a shit anymore. No, he didn't. He that. didn't. Did yeah. you hear that That when they asked him about his plan for his quarterback plan or whatever? Yeah, he was just like, there is no plan. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure, like, we don't we'll have figure it out later. <laughs> Who gives a shit? We're tanking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then he doesn't like Adrian Peterson. He obviously didn't want Dwayne Haskins, and, and the, the franchise wants Dwayne Haskins. So they had to get rid of him. It's he just they're, to, they're just going to bring in a yes man to play Dwayne Haskins. He had to have lost some of the locker room whenever he benched Adrian Peterson in that first game. Yeah, took, healthy scratch. Everybody yeah. took that to heart. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, well wishes to you. Maybe you call up your buddy John in, in Oakland. They're they're doing pretty well, so maybe they'll give you a job. Wait, but, wait, hold uh, on. I wanna I want to uh I wanna read one thing to you real quick. Okay. 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 So there's a betting line of who is the next NFL coach to be fired. Leading the way is Dan Quinn with the Falcons. Wow. Second after that is Jason Garrett. Oh, thank God. And then <laughs> and then the next four they have listed here are Doug Maroney with the Jaguars, Adam Gaze with the Jets, Pat Shermer with oh. the Giants, and Mike Tomlin with the Steelers. Yeah, so of those, Mike Tomlin definitely deserves that the least. Uh, Pat Shermer, I don't think they'll they'll get rid of him. He'll he'll he's doing okay no. with Daniel Jones. Adam Gase, this is his first year. They're already talking about firing him. That sucks. Yeah, I mean his team sucks. You can't really blame him for that. So. Yeah, I know. But by that standard, you should have Brian Flores in there too, because Brian Flores is coaching yeah. the horrible, horrible Dolphins. Jason Garrett, if we don't make it to the if we don't make it to the NFC Championship, he should be on the hot seat. If we don't make it to the playoffs, he should be absolutely gone right away as soon as we're eliminated. Um, sure. And then Doug Maroney, I don't think you can fault him for it. He, it's not his fault. The management doesn't want to pay Jalen Smith. I mean, Jalen Ramsey and yeah. Nick Foles is just hurt. And yeah. then uh, uh, who? Uh, Dan Quinn, three, yeah, four, Dan year, Quinn four years removed from the Super Bowl, and they're already going to get rid of him. But, I mean, they are sucking this year. So, I don't know. Any one of those guys is going to be a candidate for Washington, and I dare Jason Garrett to go over there. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, speaking of Dan Quinn, let's move on now to um, his Atlanta Falcons being absolutely torched by the Texans. Yes. 
That was oh awesome. I know. What, what was uh, what was uh, was it like 50, 54 to thirty two or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Oh, this is what I know. This is what <laughs> what stood out to me is that the Texans on their first uh, drive had a three and out, and mm-hmm. it was a three and out. And the Falcons held them. And they got the punt, and they were like, all right, this is going to be a shootout. It's going to be a good game. You know that we have good receiving cores on both sides. Um, Nope. The next nine drives for the Texans were six touchdowns, two field goals, and an end of the first half. They absolutely ransacked the Falcons' defense. It was crazy. Yeah, and the big thing that I think we touched on a little bit last week, which – it's a very unique concept, I know, but it turns out that whenever you can protect your quarterback, you can play better. <laughs> yes. Because going, going into this week, he was third in the number of sacks. He had taken 18 sacks before this game in four games. Mm-hmm. So, um, And then in this game, no sacks and just one hit. Yeah, so, see, you give him time and he's going to work it. Yeah, you give him time. He, he clearly has he has uh, the opportunity to make more big plays and to connect with the receivers. And, I mean, do you see how he was able to develop the chemistry with Fuller over the game? I mean, Fuller just absolutely destroyed them. He was another one who absolutely tore it up in fantasy. Yeah, on my bench. Like 40, 45. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I don't appreciate how hard you laughed at that, but yes, he had <laughs> he had 56.5 points on my bench sitting pretty. Oh, my goodness. That sucks. Career career a, night, by the way. What does, um, what does your team, um, in your league, what is the general, like, average of points per team what like uh, a, a, a good average game like a good week a good week is about 130 an average week you're you're in hitting anywhere from 120 to 130 there is a guy in my league who um let's see did he have fuller no he didn't have fuller there was a guy in my we'll get into this more in fantasy but i just wanted to talk about this real quick there is a guy projected to get 142 and he ended up with 257 Oh my god. Yeah. The, the other guy scored. The other guy had an amazing game too, 168 and lost by almost 100. Oh, I would have been pissed, dude. <laughs> you have such a great game and then you play some fucking phenomena that week. Yeah. This guy did start Watson though. So and he had 41 points in our league. Shit, man. Yeah, I saw some somebody had a lineup where they started, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it in fantasy, but they started like four of the top top scorers this week. But yeah, um this is yeah, but, this is him too, but I'll read it off in a little bit. Yeah, the Texans Texans did amazing. Um I do I am gonna highlight them a little later because I, I want to talk a little more about them. Um but uh, Will Fuller, real quick, I just want to point out he had two hundred and seventeen receiving yards this week. And we said earlier, I think uh Amari Cooper had like two hundred and twenty six or something like that. I just wanna point out how crazy this is. This may not seem like a lot. But before this season started, there were only four 200-yard receiving games in the history of the NFL. It was Julio Jones, I think it might have been DeAndre Hopkins, um, Calvin Johnson, and some other Hall of Fame receiver, right? Four. Maybe Moss or Rice? or it, 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 it may have been Moss. I don't think it was Rice. Um, but uh, but there, was, there, was, there was four of them. 
four game, four times, only four times in the history of the NFL, of the NFL, did a receiver have 200 yards through the air. And there have been, and I may be wrong here, but there have been, I think, five this season. Four or five that this season really alone. Nuts. Yeah. That is so bizarre. It's crazy, dude. And and they're coming from people who aren't sure shot Hall of Famers. Like, Will Fuller is not even a wide receiver one on his team. Amari Cooper is still a 25-year-old receiver. Um, who DJ Chark? DJ Chark had like 190 yeah, something like that. It's crazy, dude. Like, Wait, who is he from? Some Cincinnati, Jacksonville? Where, where, D- Jacksonville. DJ Chark Jacksonville? is with Jacksonville. Yeah. Yeah. Who the hell counts on a Jacksonville wide receiver to? to yeah, with Gardner Minshew as it's because it's money Minshew, dude. Gardner <laughs> Minshew's got the arm. Oh my god. Yeah, but okay, and then um, yeah. Before we get more into that, um, yeah. So let's talk about. Um, the other team that Texans are going to be facing next week is going to be the Colts, who finally gave Kansas City their first loss. Uh, granted, they had the, the circumstances were pretty bad for Kansas City. Pat Mahomes re-hurt his ankle. Watkins went out early in the game. Um, but I mean, you got to give credit to Indianapolis. They had they they had a good offensive and defensive line. Marlon Mack went off for 132 yards. Jacoby Brissett. Still, I think the jury's still out on Jacoby Brissett, but I mean, he was still able to, he was able to pull it together for this game, and he had he was able to rush it in for a touchdown as well. Um, do you have do you buy any more stock into Indianapolis after this game? Uh, yes, because of the division that they're in, I think that they have a very very great chance of being a wild card, and a good chance at leading the division. Mm-hmm. I, it sucks. I respect your Corey Brissett, but I would feel a lot more confident if Andrew Luck was still there. Um, but as long as they can keep Marlon Mack healthy, yeah, I have a lot of confidence in these guys. I don't think that them beating the Chiefs makes them the best team in the AFC. I, oh, no. But I also don't think it was a fluke. I do think that it's a good team. Uh, a healthy T.Y. is just going to make it a lot, lot better. Uh, and if they can get Eric Ebron going finally, it's going to be scary. Yeah, and I mean credit to them because you know this is a team that everybody was ready to write off when on the heels of the Andrew Luck retirement announcement, and everybody thought that it was it was over for them. But uh, they're really pulling it together. Brissett is you know doing enough. You know he may not be the greatest, but he's doing enough out there. And um, you know I think um, coming come next week though against the Texans. Um, which team do you think um, is going to carry their hot streak into next week? So that I will touch on in a little bit because that will be my game of the week highlight. Um, I, it's too, it's too, it's a lot more. Let me ask you actually. Let me ask you that question. Who do you think is going to win? Because I'm I'm going to get into it in a little bit. But who do you think, real quick? What's your opinion? I think the Texans are. You think the Texans are going to win? Yeah, I do. Wow, hot take. Holy shit! Is it that much of a hot take? <clears throat> the, I, mean, I mean, I the 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 Chiefs look like the Kings right now. Just because they lost doesn't mean they're not sit, sitting at the top of the AFC. Fuck wait, the wait, Patriots! Wait. Fuck the Patriots! Yes, the Chiefs should still be at the top of the AFC. The Patriots should not be. I know that the Patriots are the only undefeated team, but the Chiefs are still up there. I think it's. I think the consensus still right now is the Chiefs are favored to win that game. Um. But it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a phenomenal phenomenal matchup. 
How's the how's the Kansas City's defense? Because I think that's going to be the thing that that's going to be the thing that decides it. Because I mean, Texans just showed in the past week that if they're able to stave off defenses, then you know they can start throwing bombs out there. I just have a lot of faith in Watson, and I mean with Patrick Mahomes, I would feel like I would play more on the conservative side with Mahomes for next week because I mean it's just a game against the Texans. It's not going to mean that much in the long run. Okay, okay. So we'll do the we'll do the game of the week now since we're talking about it. So Texans and, and Chiefs, you're asking how, how good their defense is, right? So let yeah. me just – I'm just going to give you a quick comparison of the two. This game, because when I thought about it, I saw it, I was like, all right. I, then I like the Texans. I think they're a really good team. Um, but when I think about it, I'm like, all right, well, the Chiefs are going to bounce back. They just lost. It's going to be an anomaly. They're, they're going to come back. And, and they're playing in Arrowhead, mind you. It's one of the loudest places – I think the oh, yeah. loudest places to play in the NFL. That's true. Um, so the Chiefs are going to bounce back, and they're going to win, right? That's what I was thinking. So then I started looking into uh, stats on NFL.com and via the Elias Sports Bureau and whatnot. And uh, it, let me just read you some stats. Patrick Mahomes this year has 1,831 passing yards over five games. Deshaun Watson, 1,364. So that's kind of a difference, right? It's 480, 470 yards difference. They're averaging Patrick Mahomes, 366. Deshaun Watson, 272. So that's two for Mahomes. The completion percentage, Patrick Mahomes is six, completing 65.6% of passes. Deshaun Watson, 69.2. They both have 11 passing touchdowns. Deshaun Watson has one interception all season. Pat Mahomes, zero. When you get into, when you get on the ground is when you start seeing the difference. Patrick Mahomes has 81 rushing yards this season over five games. Deshaun Watson has 122. Pat Mahomes, zero rushing touchdowns. Deshaun Watson has three rushing touchdowns. The Chiefs are four and one, um, and the Texans are four, are three and two, albeit in a in a closer packed division. However, the Texans have had, and you talked a little bit about this earlier. Um, the Texans have fifteen sacks on the QB over five games, but Whitney Merciless, this guy is having a resurgence, like a career resurgence. Whitney Merciless has five sacks over five games, and JJ Watt has four, and those aren't assisted sacks; those are straight up their own mm-hmm. sacks. But Kansas City has only allowed seven. So they're facing a, a, a pretty good okay. offensive line, right? Mahomes was sacked four times when they lost to the Colts. And he had only had three sacks over the first four games. So they, they sacked him more times Sunday than they had throughout the first four weeks of the NFL. And then we see what happens when he gets sacked, right? Because they lose. They lose. They, they mm-hmm. get sacked four times and they lost to a team that they shouldn't have lost to. Yeah. So you have Whitney Merciless. Go ahead. I mean, you also see you also see what happens whenever someone steps on your quarterback's ankle. So there's it, that too. Yeah, but that was toward that was towards the end of the game, wasn't it? That was that was already in in the later quarters. Was it? Um, I, I believe so. But so you have Whitney Merciless and JJ Watt, two of the of the meanest bookends in the NFL rushing, and you have a Kansas City line that's only allowed seven. So that's going to be a good matchup. Adversely. The chi- the Giants, the Chiefs defense has only eleven sacks on the season, and their two leaders have two point five and two sacks respectively. Houston, on the other hand, has allowed eighteen sacks this year, so yeah. they they do have a little softer defensive line, but Houston has a much softer offensive line. Deshaun Watson wasn't sacked like you said earlier; he wasn't sacked at all against the Falcons, and over his first four games, he was sacked eighteen times. So both teams, when they protect the quarterback, are amazing. Both teams 
when they allow a couple a couple more sacks than usual, it's going to be a bad thing. It's going to be a bad time. But the thing is here that they're so equal. It, it's it's ridiculous. It's not like one of them can not protect the quarterback and still be so much better than this team. No, they cannot make a mistake here. They can't because it's a lot more equal than than I thought and then I and then I think a lot of people else think. Um, mm-hmm. So going to receiving, the Chiefs' leading receiver right now is Travis Kelsey. He's got 439 yards through five games. The Houston Texans' leading receiver right now is DeAndre Hopkins. He only has 347 through five games, but he's due for a breakout. We all know DeAndre's probably going to the Hall of Fame once he's done with his career. He's an amazing receiver. He's going to have a breakout game. Sammy Watkins is the Chiefs' second receiver. He only has three. He has 365, but 198 of those came in week one. That goes back to the whole 200-yard game. 198 yards in week one. Will Fuller, the number two receiver for the Texans, he's got 400 yards, but 217 of those came last week. So they're both receiving cores are very, very top-heavy with a quarterback that's that's very mobile on both sides. So these teams are virtually identical through the air. Uh, this I, I think this game is going to be the game of the week because it's going to be one in the trenches. You're talking about two teams who love the air raid offense. They're so electric through the air it's amazing to watch everybody they're becoming fan favorites because they put up so many points it's crazy and it's gonna come down in my opinion you ask me and you think about it before betting because it's gonna come down to the running backs who's gonna get it done on the ground we know that the quarterbacks can throw the ball 80 yards down the field we know that they can toss Hail Marys at any second of the game who's gonna be able to run the ball and impose their will on the ground that's at noon as soon as we find out which running back gets in their groove first, you'll start seeing the tone for the game. That I still think the I, – I, I'm going to go with the Chiefs still. No, you know what? I'm going with the Texans. <laughs> I'm going with the Texans. The Texans are winning that game. Carlos Hyde is flying under the radar, and he's doing pretty well. Duke Johnson's going to change the pace in the back. He can run it and catch it. I'm going to go with the Texans. I think J.J. Watt has another couple sacks. And Whitney Merciless has a deflection or two, possibly even an interception. Yeah, I mean, what just stuck out to me um, in those statistics was the offensive line. I mean, that's to me, that's what it comes down to, is whose line is going gonna, is gonna to outperform the other. Because, I mean, just as I said earlier in the Texans demonstrated, is that if they can get some protection on Deshaun Watson – you know, he can win you the game. You know, it's not a coincidence at all that in the game that he doesn't get sacked, you put up 50-plus points. And so, in Deshaun Watson, we've seen we've seen his potential before. Whenever he's allowed to do what he wants, he looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And so, um, I think that's pretty much what's going to be. I'd say, I, I would say that if Kansas City decides to go full strength in this game, I think they win. But I, if I were in Kansas City, Kansas City's shoes, I would... You know, I would I would punt the game. I would use it as a throwaway game. Like, why bother risking Mahomes' injury? I mean, let him play conservatively. Try not to encourage. If, he, if you're gonna play him, not encourage him to you know scramble and you know do like he does like on that on that one like the best pass that he threw in the past week and scramble around for like yeah he yards. ran back like 40 yards and then threw yeah a touchdown and then pass. threw for a touchdown. I mean, yeah, which is great and all. You can't argue with a touchdown, but. Whenever you have a bum ankle, you just kind of take it down a notch, please. Yeah, and you know what? I I, I hate to sound like a flip-flopper here, but you you chose the the Texans, right? Yeah, I did. All right, fuck it. I'm going with the Chiefs. I'm going with Arrowhead <laughs> Stadium. I, I, I want 
I want it to 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 be the game that everybody expects it to be. The over under for this game is fifty five. I'm going way over. I think it's gonna be way over fifty five points. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. I think it wouldn't surprise me if we see a score like this past Texans Falcons game. Yeah, exactly. Except both teams can hang in there. I think it's yeah. gonna be. Yeah, um, oh man, it's gonna be. A, it's gonna look like a college football game. It's gonna be like forty mm-hmm. something, thirty something at the least. I think. But yeah. the Chiefs are coming out on top. The Arrowhead Stadium is going to – they measured on the Richter scale, JP. They're, <laughs> it's so loud there. They're, they're going to win. They're, they're, I got the Chiefs. I got Mahomes. I'm riding with the Texas boy. Let's do it. Okay. All right. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about fantasy. Um, let me see. So you said your team did well? Yeah, You're my team – My team. I, I, I got to win even with, uh, even with uh, my boy Will Fuller on the bench there. Let, let me tell you something. I am a grown ass man. I'm twenty. <laughs> I'm, I'm twenty eight years old. Will Fuller did his absolute best to make me cry on Sunday. I, <laughs> I I had to fight back the tears. I was so upset. The thing is, I have him. So my receivers, my active receivers at the time were Will Fuller, Calvin Ridley, uh, Brandon Cooks, and Cortland Sutton. I benched the first two for the last two. I played Brandon Cooks and Cortland Sutton, which is what anybody would have done. Unfortunately for me, Brandon Cooks has one catch and goes down with a concussion out of the game. So he leaves the game with five points. And all I'm doing all day Sunday is adding up all the points that I missed from Will Fuller. I was like, dude, damn it, five points from Cooks. I could have played Fuller. I would have had another 51.5 points tacked onto my score. I wouldn't have to worry about this. Luckily, I still got the win. Um, And it came on the back of my boy uh, Austin Eckler. I think he only had he had less than five rushing attempts, but he ended up dropping twenty one points for me. Oh really? Oh yeah, he was one of those that just completely tore it up. Yeah, it's but, just uh, it's such a touchy situation with him because I also have Melvin Gordon, so it's it's dude, get rid of Gordon. What are you doing? No, no, no. This was his first game back, and and actually dude, this he's week leaving, he's leaving after this season. They're not going to invest any you know in meaningful touches into him. They're going to ride Eckler. Why? But why? Let me ask you this. Why? Think about it. Think about it. If he's leaving after this season, you know he's going to be gone, right? You know you don't have to pay him anymore, right? Yeah. So why are you worried about his health? Fucking run him into the ground. That's what they're going to do. You play the guy that you think is going to be a real part of your team. Melvin Gordon has to make... He has to be a real part of your team this year because everyone knows when they think about Melvin Gordon, and I'm talking about GMs right now, they're thinking Melvin Gordon, they think, yeah, he's great, he's explosive, but the best ability is availability, and he is hurt every single year. So Melvin Gordon has to make his paycheck this year. Why do you think he came back? He couldn't do what Le'Veon Bell did. He had to I come mean, back week five. He has to prove to everyone else in the league that he can do it and that you pay me, pay me, I can still do it. So he wants the ball. You don't care because he's not going to be on your team anymore next year, so you're going to use every ounce of juice that he's got left in his legs. I mean, you kind of supported my point by talking about how injured he is. I mean, he could have an injury later on in the season. Another reason to get rid of him if he has that extensive history. Right, but if he if he gets it, he, you're not planning on him being with you next next year anyway. So if he gets injured, uh-huh. who cares? You still have Austin Eckler. Why are you going to pers- run the Austin- person with him on his fantasy team cares if you're depending on Melvin Gordon? Yeah, but the, I mean, I look. This is why I'm starting him. This is why me as a fantasy GM, I'm starting him. 
because they are going to run him until he breaks. And if he does break, I don't give a shit because I have Austin Eckler also. <laughs> well, I guess for people who have Eckler as well, I mean, that doesn't really matter as much. But, I mean, and, and I'm not saying, I'm not advocating either for Gordon to be shut down, but I, Eckler is going to be the one who gets more touches, therefore a better opportunity at scoring. So if you have to choose between one or the other, if you're on the fence about him, I would say steer clear of that. Try to find a sucker to pawn off on him. I I think I think the other way. I think Melvin Gordon is going to get the most attention. I think Eckler might end up getting the most points, but I think they're going to give Melvin Gordon the more the most opportunities to get those points and volume equals production, production equals points and that is paramount in fantasy football. And uh I'll, I'll go ahead and put my two belts up against your zero on that one. So, uh, <laughs> so, but hey, we'll see. Won, we'll see how they I play. I won out. once. I won <laughs> once, but that was that was like six years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let me. T- okay, here we go. I have two. I have two um, imaginary people here. I have here num- number one. I have Colt McCoy with a real personality, and I have Tim Tebow. Without the power of Jesus, which one does Baker Mayfield more like? <laughs> oh man, that's not a bad one. But I'm going <laughs> to say Tim Tebow without the power of Jesus, because that boy <laughs> this, needs Jesus. <laughs> this guy literally had zero points in my league. Literally zero. Yeah, no. And then his buddy over there, Odell Beckham, lost. He actually lost somebody a game because they were up. By one point, they were they had Odell Beckham on Monday night. The other team was already done playing, and then Odell drops a fumble for negative two points, and they lost the game. God, that was so <laughs> annoying, man. Yeah, thankfully I I have Odell Beckham on my team, but thankfully I did not need him to come through with a win. I was able to win despite him putting up a dud. But um, yeah, no, that should be something that should be a little bit on um everybody's monitor is that the Browns may still. They may be a better version, but they may still overall be the Browns. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you something real quick. Who are you taking this Sunday? The Browns or the Seattle Seahawks? Oh, easily the Seahawks. Easily? Yeah. Have you seen the line? What La- is the line? Las Vegas has the Seattle Seahawks minus one. Really? Yeah. Oh my God! Anyone who's a betting man needs to slam the over on that because I think it's going to be way more than that. You think Seattle covers? Oh, absolutely. But why? Well, then why would Vegas make it that easy? They got to know something. Vegas always knows. I, I the way that I see it is Baker Mayfield is flopping and Russell Wilson is having an MVP candidate year. That's that spells trap game though. That spells out trap game. Okay, well, don't bet too much on it then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't bet your house on it, but maybe just have the yeah. fun going in. Yeah, pay your bills first and then bet on the game. <laughs> well, the over-under is 47.5 for that game. So they're favored by one point, so they're thinking it's going to be a 24-23 game. Uh, I'm going to go under. I'm going to say it'll be more like 27-17. Really? Okay, yeah. so you think they win by ten? That's not bad. I mean, the, the to the naked eye, yes, Seattle should should mop the floor with them. But hey, man, I I I never I try not to doubt Vegas, 
for some reason, they always know. <laughs> so keep a lookout for that game. That's a that's at noon. Um, they are playing in Seattle, I believe. So yeah, um, in Seattle. Yeah, I believe it's in Seattle. Or are we playing the Jets at home or away? Hmm. I don't know. It really doesn't matter though. It's Seattle Seahawks against Cleveland Browns. It should be no, the Seahawks. The, yeah, the Co- the Cowboys are playing in New York, and I think. Okay, so the, they're playing in Cleveland. I think they're playing in Cleveland. Okay, they're playing in Cleveland at the Dog Pound. Uh, uh-huh. So it, it, oh, it might it might get ugly. Before we get into basketball, quick question: mm-hmm. Washington versus Miami. Whose defense are you? Oh starting? my God, the toilet bowl! <laughs> it's going to be the toilet whose defense bowl. would you start in that game? Oh, Washington's for sure. Washington's. I okay. You know what though? You could start either defense, and it would be, <laughs> and, and you'd have great game, great points. That game's probably going to be like twelve to nine. Or something. It's it's not gonna be a very good game. It's I'm gonna I'm gonna try that tra- I'm gonna try that strategy. I'm gonna play Washington because my regular defense is Chicago, but they're on bye. Oh yeah, you just stream. That's the like rule number one of this year's fantasy season is just stream whatever defense is playing the Miami Dolphins. And that's literally that was literally my whole thought process. As soon as I noticed Chicago was off, I was like, okay, who's Miami playing? I'm starting those guys. Yeah, so I I thought the same thing this morning. I was like, all right, who's? Because I have the Saints and they're playing the Jags this week, I think. And uh-huh. um, and actually, a lot of people have the Jags winning that game. But so I went to the drawing board and I was like, all right, uh, yeah, the Jags are favored by one point. But um, I woke up this morning, went to the waiver where I was like, all right, sweet, who's Miami playing? And then I was like, ah, damn it, <laughs> it's the Redskins. <laughs> but yeah, you should be fine. You should be fine if you start any of those defenses. Okay. All right. Now getting into getting into basketball now. Um let's see here. Okay. Spurs finally get to see a little bit of Spurs action even though it doesn't count for a whole lot right now. But it's just nice to see some basketball again. Uh yes. this past weekend they played against the Magic. They got blown out by Orlando, but that's aside from the fact, you know, you I Personally, don't put any stock into the final scores of preseason. I just like seeing players individually and see what's going on with them. And uh, I know it's just a one-game sample size, but I got to say that things... I think things are already looking a lot better for DeJounte Murray. The guy uh, did not see... Did not look like he has lost a step at all. He still looks as spry as ever. Was able to cut to the basket for some lay, for some baskets and traffic at the rim. And he made a three-pointer with a very natural shot, which has always been the knock on him, was that he had no jump shot. But he was able to sink one nothing but net, which made me think, we got a, we, we may have a little something cooking here. I mean, look what and they I, did with uh, Kawhi's jump shot. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but he, he couldn't – or not jump shot, but his three-pointer. You know, I, yeah, I hate yeah. to mention that guy again, but we develop shooters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um and speaking of people who also need a jump shot, they also played they, since they played against the Magic. We got to see a little bit of Markel Fultz in that game, and Markel Fultz didn't really didn't really shoot the ball much from outside. He did have a fadeaway mid ranger which he did knock down, and it it looks it looks a little bit more natural. It doesn't look like an abomination as it was last year, but he looks like he is finally getting over whatever those yips were, which is still the most bizarre story of you know that i probably have ever come across because who just who just has a vague shoulder injury and just forgets how to shoot like i have never seen anything like that is is he going to be in space jam 2 because i feel like he should be in space jam 2 i think <laughs> <laughs> i think they took his skill and they put it into the monsters oh my god yeah that would absolutely <laughs> 
Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely what happened in this <laughs> alternate universe. <laughs> well, I mean, but, hey, uh, Mobamba did pretty well though. Yeah, yeah, eighteen points. Yeah, Mobamba, Mobamba, he's he's being slated to be the backup in Orlando, but I think it's possible. Well, I the thing with Orlando is that they have a really weird con- roster con- uh, layout where they have like. They have like six big men who are all like worthy of minutes, and you know nobody. And some people are going to get cut out of the rotation. Some people are going to have to give up looks that they don't want to give up. So um, yeah, I just I'm still out on Orlando because of that. Like they could trade away some pieces and build up other areas of the roster, but until they do that, uh, I mean I think Mobamba is going to be better, but it's going to be a while until we see his full potential, be just because of the competition that's ahead of him. Yeah. Well, we all hope and, for a Longhorn uh, to, to make it. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And um, aside from that, I mean, it was just mainly just a show-off of the young guys. I mean, you got to see Keldon Johnson get some run, Lonnie Walker, Derek White. Um, Lonnie Walker was looking really good, too. I'm really excited for, for his development this coming year. Yeah, they played him. Um, he had the most playing time, I think, out of, out of the entire team. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people sat, and most notably DeMar DeRozan, so there wasn't really a whole lot to take away from the game. But, uh, yeah, no, it was just nice to see some Spurs basketball again. You and, know, uh, I, I think I've and we've talked about who we're excited to see in the Spurs before, and I can't believe I forgot to, to point out, I was actually very excited for the draft, and this is the first time that they draft somebody that I wanted them to draft. Um, was that Shamanich or Johnson? Yeah, yeah, no, Luka Shamanich, dude. He's. I, I'm really, really <laughs> hoping that he. I hate. I, well, I don't hate, right? Because we've also we've obviously produced from these from these picks, but I. It's always kind of deflating when we make an overseas draft and stash pick, because we don't ever yeah. see them. You know, we don't get to notice that, and, and like these other teams, and I guess it's because we're almost never. Well, we are never in the lottery. So these other teams draft players that they get to see right away and they get to witness yeah. and they get to see if they're going to make a difference or not. And we never have that luxury. So I'm really hoping that, that Luca is a guy that can come in and he won't be a starter, right? But I'm, I'm hoping that yeah. he can get some solid I mean, playing time and we can see him. Yeah, just the fact that he's on the team. Number, like two, yeah. two, main take, two main takeaways that um, I had at that draft. One, at least he's going to be on the team because I'm on the same boat as you. I'm tired of drafting stashes. Mm-hmm. And two, I'm glad that they drafted a big man that they're going to be invested in because the last few years it's been Lonnie Walker, Derek White, DeJounte mm-hmm. Murray, all the people that I like, and they really stacked up the wing, but it gets pretty shallow with the front court, especially when you think about how probably in a couple years Aldridge isn't going to be there anymore. They need somebody to take the reins. And I'm just I'm glad that they are at least injecting some youth into the front court as well. Yeah. And uh, speak, speaking of which, how you mentioned that there's a bunch of draft and stashes out there. Just side note, there isn't really anything to say about it, but there's a guy um, playing in Europe who the Spurs drafted like four years ago. <laughs> his name is his name is Nikola Malutinov, and I think that guy would be really badass in San Antonio. But we, like <laughs> you mentioned, who knows when we're going to see the guy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's, he's tearing it up in EuroLeague, and I'm like, when the fuck is he going to come over and do that <laughs> stuff here? <laughs> Bring that, bring that shit over here. Passing the rock. Seriously, yeah. But anyways, um, okay. And so, um, quick aside, I didn't have this listed on our agenda. But did you see? Did you catch any of Zion last night? Uh, I, no, I didn't see it last night. I did see uh, his highlight reel dunks <laughs> this morning. Yeah. 
um, which is yeah. what everybody expects, right? But I just, I mean, I hope it's not just a show. I hope he can keep it going. Yeah, he had 16 and 7. Um, New Orleans over. I mean, clearly we got to see if they can maintain this in the regular season, but they actually did have a pretty nice-looking offense. Lonzo changed his jumper, and it doesn't look as terrible. It's still kind of weird that he releases, like, from his chest, kind of like... It reminds me of Sean Marion, except he doesn't do, like, the weird, like, flingy thing. Like, he actually shoots it like a jumper, but takes it, like, from the front of his chest. Like, it isn't, like, mm. from the side weird jump shot anymore. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's nice to see him... It's nice to see him thriving. I always like Lonzo. It's just the it's just his dad that's annoying as hell. Did you but, did you hear what could have caused that jumper? Or like because it was him and and because uh, they all kind of have a weird jump shot, right? All the ball brothers. Yeah, um, I think that yeah, I think they just grew up that way. That's just what felt comfortable for them. So I, don't I think was there was anything in particular. I was talking to a buddy of mine, and I can't remember if he said that he heard it somewhere or if it was an original thought of his, but it, it made a lot of sense to me. He said that. Uh, those jump shots, those habits usually come from when they're little, their parents give them a regular size ball, like a, a ball that's oh. that's just too heavy for them. So they have to find ways to, to get it out of there, yeah. you know, and, it, and it makes a lot of sense. And I honestly do believe that LeVar Ball would do something like that. Like he probably <laughs> thought that he was helping them by treating them like they were older kids and making them stronger and stuff. But there's a reason why kids should use smaller balls is so that they can get their form down. And, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I, I honestly believe that that's what happened with these guys. Yeah. And you know, it wasn't just the ball, you know, you know, they were lifting weights in elementary school. Oh and yeah. Running a, and r- yeah. running with a weighted vest on and <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> they were doing everything, but okay. Real quick. Um, okay. Yeah. Let's try to bump through these. Okay. So I know this is probably a bigger topic than, um, than the five minutes we allotted it for, but let's try to keep it short anyway. Uh, Lakers or Clippers, I think you had mentioned before that you uh, are putting in more stock on the Clippers for being the better L.A. team. Is that true? I, I believe that the Clippers will get further, and I believe the Clippers will have a better a better record to show for it at the end of the year. I do not think that they will be L.A.'s team, though. I don't know what it's going to take for that to happen. I do, I do think that they have... Um, I think I do think this is the opportunity for that though because for everything that went on with Lop City that happened at a time when they couldn't get over the hump and it also happened at a time when Kobe Bryant was still around and Kobe is like you know not the best Laker but probably the most revered Laker mm-hmm. especially in the digital area in the digital era when people are constantly defending him on Twitter and whatnot but um, I think now is their opportunity because they have Kawhi, they have Paul George, they're in prime position for the championship. And for the Lakers, they have this weird complex with LeBron where they root for him but also argue that he's not as meaningful as Kobe was to the team. So they're like trying to, before he even does much at all with the Lakers, they're already trying to they're already trying to pinpoint his place in Lakers history, like his legacy. And they're trying to, you know, undermine anything that he does. Like it's it's so weird because like, obviously you hope for the guy to bring you a title, but you're also trying to, you're also trying to make the argument that this doesn't mean as much as when Kobe was around. So I think if anything, so I think of course, obviously the Lakers want to win, but I think a part of them would be ready if they lost to jump on the train of, they were never really on LeBron's side. And you know if they lose, and if they lose to the Clippers, then you mean more power, more power to Kawhi and the rest of the team. And I think that's just really, I think that's just a pride thing because 
it was easy for this generation to back Kobe Bryant because we kind of you either when you if you were an LA fan you grew up a Kobe Bryant fan. Whenever Shaq and Kobe had the beef, Shaq left. Kobe stayed. So for them, Kobe was the cornerstone, or for us, I should say, for the digital era. Like you said, um, Kobe was the the cornerstone of the Los Angeles Lakers, and then towards his the middle and end of his career. His direct villain adversary was LeBron James, so yeah, they're, they're I think it's the whole thing with them like trying to undermine all everything that he could possibly do there. It's just pride. It's just I hated this guy for so long, and I backed my guy for so long. Like, how am I gonna look if I'm just like jumping on his back <laughs> right exactly now? That's exactly what it is. You That's know? exactly what it is, and um, it's kind of like what the Rockets are going through right now because the the Rockets fans that I knew shit on Russell Westbrook all the time <laughs> and have like a personal grudge against him for the year that he won MVP and they thought Harden should have won it and now they have to root for the guy so they're like well I guess, I guess I'll root for him. <laughs> yeah woohoo yeah that's yeah. gonna be good but that's but that's different though well not different right it's not different but that matchup I, I think I've mentioned before too is that I'm I'm, I'm pretty excited I don't like either of those guys I really don't like either of them <laughs> but I'm excited to watch them play because Usually when you get two egos like that, it doesn't ever, it almost never works out. But these two guys are boys. Like, they, they knew each other from when they were yeah. young. So it could be really, really fun basketball to watch. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, but the better team in L.A., I, I don't mean to, to stray, the better team in L.A. statistically will be the Clippers, uh, but the Lakers will always have the city's heart, I believe. That's my opinion. Yeah. I think so too. I think with the Clippers, um, you just kind of Kawhi is at the point where I feel like for the past ten years, the argument for LeBron as the best player in the league was that if you're in the playoffs, the number one guy that you want on your team is LeBron. Mm-hmm. I think that person now is Kawhi. Yep. And I just until the guys slows down i mean there's no argument against it i mean he i mean he does have the issues with his leg which i'm sure are going to continue going on i've heard that it's more of a genetic thing that can never really be resolved it's just a matter of how much he can tolerate of it and um i just i don't know i would just put more stock in the clippers i like i like their team i like their chemistry i like their depth i like their coach better um, their organization overall is not nearly as much of a mess as the Lakers is. I think they have all the pieces put together for uh, a more successful year than the Lakers. Yeah, I uh, I saw uh, an interview on Fox, I think, where uh, Snoop Dogg came out, and they were uh-huh. asking him about it. They were like, "What do you think is it going to take? What do you think it's going to take for this Clippers team to take over the city?" And he's like, "Nothing. Never. It's never going to happen." And they're like, but the talent, you know, they could win it all. You know, Kawhi is the guy now, and they could win it all. And he's like, no. The Clippers, <laughs> and it was, it was funny how he compared them. He was like, the Clippers are like the city's, like, adopted brother that we didn't want our mom to get, but she wanted to help him out, so she adopted him. And he keeps eating our food and playing in our in our basketball court. <laughs> he's like, they're, they're playing at our house. He's like, they don't even have their own backyard. Did you see that Kawhi went to the L.A. Rams game and was booed? Really? Yeah, yeah. And everybody says that he was booed because he's a Clipper and not a Laker. Yes, absolutely. That's what it is. That city is all about the Lakers. Yeah, which is so bizarre to me because the Clippers Clippers are a really good team and probably better. 
I just I'm I'm I mean I get it. There's history there, but move on, guys. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a whole pride thing too. But we'll okay. see. All right. Next up, um, one thing that I want to talk about is, um, I mean, we know the West is going to be a total bloodbath, and we we're not fully confident. Or there's not really a person in the lead in the West. There's a there's like a good mix of teams who are in the who can make it to the finals. But in the East, it's pretty much Bucks and Sixers. And um, I wanted to ask one out of those two, who do you have making it to the finals? And two. If there is a dark horse, who would that be for you? Um, out of those two, I have the oh, man. <laughs> That's tough because I really, really like Giannis, but I don't think he has the talent around him to finish it off. I'm gonna go with the Sixers out of those two. Damn, I was hoping you were gonna pick the Bucks because I picked the Sixers too. Did you? <laughs> yeah. No, I really, really like this. I really like the Sixers. I think that um, I, I, I think we're kind of of like minds because I remember how much the Warriors pissed you off whenever they started becoming really good a few years ago. Yes. But I just I'm not, I'm not a fan of the culture that if you don't have a jumper, then you're not that good, or that's the thing that everybody's gonna hang their hat on. You could be elite at every other skill but if you're not an elite shooter then you're gonna be written off completely yeah and i feel like that is really um i mean that's just a grossly poor underestimation of ben simmons i think ben simmons is an incredibly good player he really does not have outside of shooting he really does not have any weaknesses and the way to think about it for me is that you know people um you know bag on him for not having a jumper and you think about it and you think like if you're asking if you if Ben Simmons has a jump shot he's probably the best player in the league like oh, he, yeah. like he doesn't he doesn't have any other flaws like you realize that you're that you what sounds like oh he can't shoot you it, it sounds like something basic that people are asking for but really what you're asking for is a complete package of an MVP for years to come i mean Jan, i mean Ben Simmons is not that far off from Giannis, I mean, I think the thing that makes Giannis better than Ben Simmons is that Giannis has a semblance of a jumper. Like he's not, he's not a great shooter, but he can shoot it. And there, and whereas Ben Simmons just won't shoot it at all. But I think that's just a really bad underestimation of him. And not only that, but I really, really like the Al Horford signing for the team. Um, it sucked that they had to lose Jimmy Butler, but I really like the addition of Josh Richardson in his place. Um, I think he's a guy who um, will kind of uh, know his role on the team and will provide a lot of what they needed. I feel like last year there was like a weird glut of these four guys, Simmons, Embiid, Butler, and also Tobias Harris, who didn't really, who needed someone to step up as the guy. And Jimmy Butler did that, but you can tell that Embiid and Simmons wanted to be that guy as well. And it just became like a weird it just became a weird dynamic, and I think that may have been the reason why Jimmy Butler left and went to Miami. But um, I think aside from that, I think um, I think it's glad that there's just like one less cook in the kitchen now that Jimmy Butler is out. Josh Richardson knows his role, and Al Horford, um, who can who is a really good shooter from outside, can play a really good inside-out game with Ben Simmons. You know, having Al Horford out on the three-point line can really give Ben Simmons the room to operate in the in you know, inside the three point line as well. 
And with Gian- with Giannis and the Bucks, I just don't really think that they're there yet. I just was not happy with their offseason. I thought they made a big mistake in choosing Bledsoe over Brogdon. I think that if um, if it were up to me, I would have re-signed to Brogdon and would have tried to find a way to trade Bledsoe. Um, they lost Nikola Mirotic, uh, the guy who just decided to up and go back to Spain. Didn't even sign yeah. He was just like, he was just like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm gonna go back home now. And um, they did sign. They did get back George Hill. They signed Wesley Matthews. They signed. They got the Lopez brothers now. They signed Robin Lopez too. But um, I just. I just don't think that the Bucks are there yet. I just, I just, I'm. They would really need someone, as part of their young core, to really step up for me to think that they have a good chance of making it out of the East. Whether that's DJ Wilson or uh, I don't know if you remember from the NCAA tournament last year, Dante Divincenzo. Oh yeah, Divincenzo. That's right. Yeah, White Dante. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I just they they need someone to step up because the roster as it is is obviously really good. They're gonna make. I think this is the conference finals matchup, Bucks and Sixers. But to me, it's clearly the Sixers. Yeah i I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be good. I like the talent. I like. I dude. I like Joel Embiid. I really do. It's weird because I almost never like people that that are that like gloaty. I guess or like that in your face uh-huh. and stuff. But I, for some reason, uh-huh. I love him. Maybe because he's a foreign player, but I, I just, I love him, dude. He's hilarious, and he's, he's awesome. mean. He's gritty too. Like he's, he's <laughs> good. He's, he, I like. It's funny because I liked Allen Iverson when he was with the Sixers. After he left, I really didn't have. I don't even remember any of the actual Sixers players from after Allen Iverson and Eric Snow, and all of them were gone. And then this Ben Simmons kid, I, I didn't really like him coming into the league. I do think he's getting shit on a little too much. Um, Joel Embiid, I really didn't care too much for, but together all these guys, and then they're making the right moves with Al Horford's there now. Um, I, I, they're. I don't have any teams in the East really, but the Sixers, I think, are. are and who's their coach? Um, the Brett Brown. From, he, but he's who from used the to be a coach in the Spurs. Yes, exactly. He's he's from the pop yeah. coaching tree. Coaching tree. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah I, I do feel like uh, I like the points he touched on. I do feel like they're they're just gonna have they're just a more well built package than the Bucks are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyone you think can upset either of them or not? Nah? Uh, I don't think so. If I had to pick, and I'm talking dark horse. If I had to pick a dark horse to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, I I think I might have to go with the Pacers. Pacers. Yeah. Okay. I like I like that they added they got uh Brogdon. I I like Miles Turner. He kind of gets on my nerves sometimes, but he's from Texas. I like <laughs> the guy. Um Oladipo is not he's moved around with a couple teams his last few years or a few teams the last couple years, I should say. Um yeah. but he's an athletic kid. I, I I like I like him. I don't yeah, like I said I don't think that they could unseat the Sixers or the Bucks, but if I had to pick another team in the East, I think I would go with the Pacers. Yeah, I think for that too, a lot of and Oladipo is currently out with an injury too. A lot of it depends on him coming back into form, right? And right. Uh, you know, being who, being who he was last year. But but yeah, he definitely did come into his own in Indiana. He was not used properly in Orlando, not used properly in Oklahoma City, and you know, 
finally got the reins in Indiana and was torching people last year. So I yeah. think hopefully he can, hopefully he comes back at full strength and is able to continue upon what he built last season. And he was practicing uh, today. He he was yeah, he was think, going through um, agility drills today, is what they said. Yeah, I think um, I think um, they estimated him being back by January. I think is what it was. That's but, uh, that's not horrible, I guess. In the East, that's not horrible. You can still bounce back. No, it's it's not. Yeah, yeah, that still gives him some time to, you know, catch up on his, uh, you know, get his reps in. And um, shoot, I don't know. Yeah, Pacers are a good pick. Um, the only other two teams that I could think of would be Boston if everything breaks right for them. If Gordon Hayward is back to being himself and the young guys take a step up, and um, and if not them, then super dark horse Toronto to make it back. But that just depends on that depends on how good um, Pascal Siakam mm-hmm. is and the young guys that they have in their place because it's a it's a whole lot to take to you know um, replace Kawhi and Danny Green and. Um, and so not to say that they have a chance to make it to the to the finals, but just conference finals, maybe. I like that you didn't show any love for Kyle Lowry because we all know he breaks down in the postseason anyways. He to his defense, he was he was good last year. They definitely like Fred Fred Van Vliet stood him up because he had the breakouts he had a breakout series in the finals. But Kyle Lowry did hold his own in the finals. And surprisingly it was the first year that he did not completely you know, just ch- choke. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. Hopefully, he's able to bring it back. And and kudos to him too that you bring him up because he just signed an extension for another year, just a one year. But he's able to get another thirty one million dollars. God, yeah, it's a good problem to have. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. <clears throat> All right then. Fantasy basketball. I finally had my draft. It was yes. It was uh, this past Sunday. So now I'm comfortable talking about who I who which sleepers that I'm thinking of now that I've already drafted them all. I didn't <laughs> want anybody listening in and and uh, figure, figuring my team out. And uh, but um, no, I think. Um, who did you take? Who did you take for? Wait, did y'all do auction or or? We did auction. Okay, so who was your first round? Who was your first pick? My first pick was Devin Booker. Wow. He's, yeah. I've only played. Yeah. I've only played one year of. Uh, of NBA fantasy with you guys actually, but uh, if I remember yeah. correctly, he is a fantasy basketball ace. Yeah, yeah. Phoenix is gonna be terrible again, but you can count on Devin Booker putting up like almost thirty points a game and like multiple three pointers a game. So you can't go wrong with him. I was really excited to have him, and um, I took a few. I took a few gambles with my team, but uh, I'm I'm very I'm gonna start shopping around players, see what I can what I can do. But uh, aside from that, there's no singular standout player on my team. But I have a, I think I have, I mean, just my personal opinion. But I think I have the best core in the league. But uh, oh, no, uh, unbiased, unbiased opinion, by the way. Unbiased. <laughs> my top, my top five players are Devin Booker, Jimmy Butler, um, Pascal Siakam, Kawhi Leonard, and Kristaps Porzingis. No, those should be the only five players that you were able to afford. <laughs> That's crazy, dude. Oh yeah, you, yeah. You could I, probably I just really not even really worry happy. about a bench. <laughs> yeah, no, I was really, really happy with how my team turned out. Um, but just as we were speaking about in Toronto, um, Pascal Siakam has got to be number one on breakout. The guy was really, really good last year. He was like 
coming up on all-star potential. And now that Kawhi is gone and he pretty much has all the touches that he wants, I, I think the guy's a lock for an all-star next year. I think anybody, I think he should be the guy that should not be underrated at all on that team. I think he's on an upward trajectory. And uh, I think this is the beginning of him racking up all-star seasons. Wow, that's and, that's uh, bold. <laughs> Racking them um, up, huh? <laughs> yeah, he's good, man. He's really good. <laughs> he he I mean, granted, yeah, Kawhi did save them last year, but he was he was right there with him. He was right there with him. Well, we'll see it. We'll see how it all works when you remove that one piece. Yeah. I don't know about wins, but fantasy points. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Actually, that's true. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think um I, my two the part that I did gamble or my two point guards. My two point guards, I am really counting on to pull through for me. My starter right now is Ja Morant. Wow. The, Who's He's the with the conver- Grizzlies, right? Yeah, yeah. The conversation for rookie of the year, is, I mean, it's clearly going to be Zion. I think he is going to win it. But Ja Morant, I think, is seriously being undervalued for, the fantasy, for how many fantasy points that he can put up because he's going to be the guy that touches the ball the most. I mean, he has Jaron Jackson Jr. on his team. But, I mean, he's the point guard. He's going to be the one managing the offense. Mike Conley's gone. They're not, you know, they not really have that much to play for. It's a bunch of young guys. They're going through a youth movement right now. And I think John Morant is um, underrated, who is a guy who can put up, who it wouldn't surprise me at all if in his first year he can put up like 18 points a game. Just because, just from having the ball that much. Yeah, I'm on board with that. It also doesn't help that he's kind of good at basketball. I mean, doesn't it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't hurt that he's kind of good at basketball. And um, my other point guard, of course, I had to go with Dejounte Murray. Oh God, yeah, DeJounte, dude, that's a safe pick. What are you talking about? He's gonna break it out. I really hope so. This has to be the year. I'm. I mean, I count. I'm counting on him because he was the one. I was so worried that somebody was gonna pick him, but I was really glad it was like towards the end of the draft. He was one of the. I, I think it was with maybe my last pick or second to last pick that I put him up for auction, and uh, thankfully everybody else either didn't really know much about him or already spent all their money and I was able to get him on a good deal. I think I only got him for like a dollar. Uh, what? $3 is what I got. Yeah, I got him for three dollars. Wow. We started off with a th- we started off with a thousand and I got him for three. That is ridiculous. The rest of your league <laughs> needs to be shamed. Just get just delete them already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Alright then well I think that just about does it for um for that, I think we can talk a little bit more about more fantasy steals and more NBA preview stuff next week. We are now officially two weeks away from opening week. Of course, I'm excited, and you all should be too, because I think this is going to be one of the best years um, that we've seen. I think, especially for me, someone who started watching basketball 15 years ago, I think this is going to be one of the best years that I've ever seen. And for the Spurs, I think this is going to be a year where you see the potential and you see the path to better things. Yeah, I feel like it's it's a very big transition year for a lot of franchises. And for the one closest to to uh, our home here in San Antonio, it's, it's going to be a really, really big and monumental year here. It's... We're gonna start seeing the waning out of Lamarcus, and I love Demar, but Demar also they're a little on the older, more veteran side now. Um, so we're really gonna start to see what we have in this young talent and how we're gonna fare for the next couple of next couple of decades if we want to look at the the last couple. Yeah, yeah, for real. Okay, 
All right, then, so you heard it here first. Hector says Luka Shamanich 2022 MVP. Oh, hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. All right. You got anything else to add? No, I think we're good, man. As always, thank you guys for coming back. Thank you guys for listening. And hit us on social media um, if you have anything you want to input or ask about. All right. We are Double Shot. I'm JP. That's Hector. We'll see you next week. See you later.